Welcome to week 27 of podcasting where mundane meets mastery, coming to you from the northern hemisphere of the beautiful continent of Europe. I am your host, Beryl Asenonia Mwangi. Today here, the temperatures remain warm with some cloud cover in the city. I hope that in your quitting journey, you find clouds that hold significant lessons of guidance for you, just like they did in the days of old. Hey, come to the arena where the little things are the big things, where everyday living is the best life where every day has something worth highlighting, where boredom is taken to the boardroom of the mind and comes out bearing rich thoughts that build hearts' walls. Here we speak potential, inspiration, edification. Eat the pie. Taste the sweet and savory in the world of words and growth. Here we are becoming. Proverbs 16.23 says, The sweetness of the lips increases learning. Quitting as guided love. A guide is a person who shows the way to others, especially one employed to show tourists around places of interest, for example. To guide is to assist a person to travel through or reach a destination, most often in a place that is not familiar to that person, through accompanying them or giving them directions to the place. A guide is a person who advises others, especially in matters of behavior or even belief. A guide directs or influences the behavior or development of something in people's lives. So being a guide implies intimate knowledge of the way and all of its difficulties and dangers. Do we need guidance? Absolutely. And in my view, on a daily basis, guidance implies we are on a journey. It indicates that we have an origin, a present and a future ahead of us. Guidance gives us freedom to learn what we may have never considered or would have never known had it been that we are willing to be moved from one place to another. Guidance trails with us through life, from childhood to adulthood. Think about how much a newborn baby can do for itself. Maybe just cry, feed, and poop. Think about how much a toddler can do for himself or herself. Maybe place some few spoons of food in the mouth. And we ought to remember that guidance comes with the application of the powers of reasoning and decision making. So we not only need information, we need inspiration that allows us to make decisions and thus enable us to be a positive influence in our families and the communities around us. Even in teenagehood, we need guidance. In college and after graduation, The choice of a career may be something worth pursuing beyond what we learned at school to the application of it. And sooner than later comes the choice of a life partner, marriage and relocation and many other important issues in life. And we get older and soon need guidance on maybe, maybe back to our roots, how to walk literally. When we accept guidance, our paths are likely to have less regrets. This is to say, guidance is so mandatory and necessary for each one of us. The wonderful words of life say to us, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the designing get guidance, Proverbs 1.5. Today, I want to share with you a story of a woman who was willing to be guided. I have been keen on the lives of people in the places I live. It's one of the ways I have found as beneficial in understanding the cultures and worldviews where we live, thus granting an opportunity for conversations and even for friendships. So today I bring you some lessons from the life of Lilia Strotter. Lilia Strotter was born in London. Parents were well-read, intellectually curious, and inclined to humanitarianism. They were with help to the vulnerable. 
Although Lilias was devastated by the death of her father when she was only 12, the family's financial circumstances were only comparatively diminished by his loss. In her early 20s, Trotter joined the volunteer force that cancelled inquirers during the London campaign meetings by the famous D.L. Moody. Although Trotter was a nearly self-taught artist, her mother believed that her talent was exceptional, and in 1876, she sent her daughter, Lilias, and her drawings to an art critic and a social philosopher known as John Ruskin. And Ruskin praised Trotter's artistic skill, and she became an informal student and a good friend, despite the disparity in their ages. Ruskin told Trotter that if she would devote herself to her artistry, she would be the greatest living painter and do things that would be immortal. Think about it. Although Trotter was drawn to the prospect of a life in art, in May 1879, she decided that she could not give herself to painting and continue to seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness. So she and Ruskin remained friends and he never entirely relinquished the hope that maybe Trotter would consider returning to art. Soon after that, Trotter became active in the Young Women's Christian Association, where she served as a secretary in a voluntary position, usually filled by women who were as wealthy as she was. She did a considerable amount of teaching, and an unusually for respectable young women of her period, she fearlessly canvassed the streets alone at night near the prostitutes who might have been persuaded to train for an employable skill or to simply spend a night in a hostel instead of prostituting the beautiful bodies out there. In 1884, suffering from physical and emotional exhaustion, she underwent surgery, which, though slight in nature, left her very ill. Apparently, her heart was permanently damaged in the process. Did this stop Trotter from trotting for better causes? No. Someone one two verse five says, "A good man, a good woman, is guided by discretion. Guides her affairs with discretion." Trotter heard the echoes in her heart beyond the damage to what she could do for the kingdom of God. She believed in the promise that the meek will inherit the earth. So God guided her in, in judgment to seek to find God's ways because God would teach her which way to go. Psalm 25 verse 9. From a great artistic watercolor painter who could draw nature with such succinct clarity and epic views, her tides were beginning to take on a new current. Algeria. During the next few years, Trotter felt an impulse toward missionary work in non-Christian lands, even telling one of her friends that whenever she prayed the words North Africa, sounded in her soul as though a voice were calling her. In May 1887, when a missionary to North Africa asked at a religious meeting if God was calling anyone to North Africa, Trotter rose and said, he's calling me. On July 14, her 34th birthday, she applied as a candidate to the mission, which then rejected her because she was unable to pass the health examination. However, because she had the resources to be self-supporting, the mission decided that she might as well work in harmony with them without being an official member. So nine months later, in March 1888, 
Trotter and two other financially independent women dared to venture into the unknown territory of Algeria. Trotter recalled, three of us stood there, looking at our battlefield, none of us fit to pass a doctor for any society, not knowing a soul in the place or a sentence of Arabic or a clue for beginning work on untouched ground. We only knew we had to come. Truly, if God needed weakness, he had it. The women moved into the French quarter and diligently studied Arabic through French study materials and eventually through a professional tutor. They also learned how to do domestic work, all of them previously having had their needs met by servants, you can imagine. Later, Trotter said that her early years were like knocking our heads against stone walls, but the women were not going to give up. They tried one technique after another in an attempt to make inroads into the Algerian culture and all the while improving their Arabic skills. Eventually, Trotter was able to gain access to the heavily secluded women of Algeria by first befriending their children. The outreach to women, she believed, was a great line of cleavage in the rock face of Islam. Converts were banished, beaten, even Trotter believed poisoned with mind drugs that were to be administered in food or drink and would produce a paralysis of mind and will. And many converts died. Trotter's health was so seriously impaired that she regularly spent extended periods of convalescence in Great Britain or on the continent. Adding to the difficulties of the English missionaries was the French colonial suspicion of their activities. The local government literally bought a house across the street and for three years lured potential converts away with competing classes. Spies were even followed and asked to come to where the women were in the desert. And these spies threatened and fined and imprisoned them so that they would not, the people around would not accept the literature that the three women gave. In 1907, Five new workers joined the mission. By 1920, there were 30 full-time workers and 15 preaching stations. Trotter never solicited funds because she said God's wealth was boundless. Trotter was also a pioneer in attempting to adapt Christian missionary endeavors to the Algerian culture. This woman had it not so easy. And in trying to integrate these lessons, she included readings of the Bible in a rhythmical way, accompanied by a drum, a craft house that would teach little girls embroidery, and a Christian retreat for women who, you know, would take themselves to shrines to seek for refreshment. Trotter had ways of getting into the culture. She was willing to be guided. Isn't that amazing? She designed cards that had biblical passages drawn by an Arab scribe because she believed no one but a native can give the subtle lines and curves of the writing as they should be. The Mission Society even published a series of cards with a sentence from the Quran, followed by verses from the Old Testament, call it integration. She was a writer, filling a journal page nearly every day for 40 years and illustrating the world around her with sketches and watercolors beautifully. I had a chance to watch some of this today. 
From these efforts came several books of somewhat flowery and mystical prose. Though she considered orthodox Islam dry as the dune and hard as the gravel, Trotter responded to the sincere hunger for things of the spirit among the Muslims and wrote for them a book, The Way of the Sevenfold Secret, as a devotional guide based on the seven I am statements found in the book of John. This is an amazing woman and her two companions leaving their comfort zone and willing to be guided into a new territory, a totally new culture amongst the people they did not know so that they would reach the people with the good news. In her later years, she was confined to her bed, but she devoted herself to prayer, writing and sketching while continuing to manage the affairs of the mission board as best as she could. But as her body failed, her mind remained clear. Over the next four decades, from her base in Algeria, Lilias set up stations along the coast of North Africa and deeper south into the Sahara Desert, scouting on camels, hmm? areas never before visited by a European woman. In Psalm, she spent the rest of her life bringing the light and the love of Jesus to the Arab people of North Africa. At the time of her death in 1928, Lilias had established 13 mission stations and had over 30 workers under the name of Algiers Mission Board, which united in her mission to bring light of the knowledge of God in the face of Christ to the people of this land. In 1928, she died in the place she loved, Algeria. Why do these stories matter today? Because they are no longer being told. Our media has so captivated us with Hollywood and Facebook and fans that we forget the lives of integrity and interest whose legacy continues to walk among us. Why should they be told? Because our media has become so social. Reading a book in its entirety may soon be a thing of the past as more time is spent on scrolling pages. What are your thoughts on that? Quitting as guided love. I'm trying to put myself in Trotter's shoes. Growing up, being served by a servant, and then turning that down to go and serve in a place where no one knows me, where I don't speak the language, where I must learn domestic work for this to happen, I must be willing to be guided. I also think of her health, a damaged heart. Did that stop her? No. She truly knew where her heart belonged and opened herself to the guidance and the God who called her. Many times our hearts are too weak to make strong decisions for fear of what others may think or say. But when we know who is calling, we know where our strength comes from and that he leads us even through the darkest nights. She was also rejected by the mission board. Did she give up? No. She believed in the one who was guiding her and continued to listen and chat her ways and her two friends to go and serve. The one who called her provided the means. Quitting as guided love. Why is it important, you know? I think that sometimes we wait for something for so long. And we assume we know what we should do. We develop the been there, done that attitude. Could this blind us from seeing clearly the great paths being charted for us? Sometimes we have waited for so long that we give up on any form of guidance because we feel we have tried the options and nothing worked. Could stopping for a moment 
to a friend, make a difference. It could be that someone comes to tell us the very thing we have heard over and over again. But on this day, the hearing is different. Maybe because prejudice has fallen, pride is buried, self has been asked to leave, and the arena of hope is welcome. And suddenly, that which seemed like old news, been there, done that, becomes a thing worth trying. Waiting for jobs for so long is an experience of many in our world, especially over the past one year as some businesses have had to shut down. Waiting for health to get better is a familiar experience of many as life is a sinful world. Life in a sinful world can subject anyone to health issues. Waiting for that spouse to wake up to higher levels of commitment is probably an experience of some. And many are in the verge of giving up on that first love, waiting for that child to understand that what may seem as restrictions from you right now are actually valid and valuable protections for his life. Quitting as guided love. It calls for three things, and my list is not exhaustive. Number one, interest. Remember where we began, of a tour guide showing us a place, but that it had to be a place of interest? Maintaining interest is critical in our quitting journey. Losing interest may be akin to struggles that will eventually interfere with our mental health. Lilias would have been hindered by the mission board's refusal to accept her because of her health, but Lilias was unstoppable. Her interest in a cultural group that was distinctly unique from hers, coupled with her passion for painting and writing, led her to the unknown paths where she made her savior known to the people who had never known him. In our quitting, we may maintain interest, having hope that a job will be found, however long it may take, as long as we're doing the best we know to seek for opportunities. We can believe that health can be restored as we continue to practice that which promotes the health of the body, mind, and spirit, and that we can have God's grace to take us through the waiting period. We can have hope that a broken relationship can be mended, can be guided. Our interest in that young person should not wane. Let us find out how he or she is doing and offer guidance. They may seem disinterested with life based on some recent challenges, but the human heart can be opened gradually as we keep trying the key of kindness. Let us continue to maintain interest in the things that we could easily give up on. Trotter showed us that we can also do this with like-minded friends. She had two friends who shared her vision. Who in your circle has similar interests like you? Tap on them for more insight. Number one in guidance it is interest. Number two is influence. The need, the next need we have is to be a people of influence. Now, influence has to do with both you and I in our interactions. Influence is the capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone or something, or the effect itself. One of my favorite authors says it in the best way. Every uttered word exerts an influence. Every action involves a train of responsibility. No one can live to himself in this world, even if he would. Each one forms a part of the great web of humanity. And through our individual threads of influence, we are linked to the universe. We are linked. We find that in the Review and Herald, 
February 16, 1897. Going back to Trotter's experience, her influence was undeniable. A European woman with a great influence in an Arab culture. How far can one be from their comfort zone? She had a goal in our quoting. Based on the quote above, we realize we are influencing people, whether we notice it or not. How much better it would be for me if my influence was positive. And the great news is that this is a choice we can make. And lastly, inspiration. Lilias used what was in her hands, the gift of art, the gift of painting and writing. She was able to see nature and come up with a painting that not only seemed beautiful, but that had words that accompanied the painting in a way that brought out the message and the meaning, making it applicable to real daily life. She was a writer, using her gift to share wonderful messages with the Sunni Muslims of Algeria. I think this woman was daring, but was she? She was surrendered to the guidance of her creator. I think that this is the secret. Let me tuck in a promise for you right here. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. Exodus 15, 13. You're probably feeling uninspired. You have tried to use your gifts and talents, but you don't seem to bear much fruit. No one seems to notice. You're not seeing tangible results. Are we warranted to give up when we cannot see? Seasonal blindness may be the very thing we need, so that when light finally dawns upon us with our vision totally cleared, we will truly appreciate the new gift of direction and take it seriously. Sometimes, this is what we need. A jolting after silence. Light after darkness, voices after the noise. Inspire others with whatever small things you have or can do. Maybe sometimes we just need quiet pastures before we can hear our own footsteps. Like David said, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Psalm 23 verse 2. If for nothing else, let this, is, this be your prayer. Psalm 31 verse 5. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Let him lead you for the sake of his name. Quaiting calls for guided love that maintains interest, has an influence, and inspires. I finish by one of Lilia's Trotter's quotes. You can never tell to what untold glories any little path may lead if only you follow far enough. Interest, influence, inspiration. A mundane life infuses with negativity. A life of mastery influences positively. Until next Wednesday. Goodbye.